This hour is only going to get a little better. So let me just tell you, let me give you a little taste of what you're about to hear. I'm about to have Miles play for you a trailer to the new Peacock original film called Bosco. It is based on the true story of Quante Bosco Adams. Um, the trailer will give you a sense of what the film is about. I did that last hour for that matter. I've been so excited to have Bosco back in the studio. Um, because when I, when I saw Bosco uh, some time ago, he was working on this project. And I'm so pleased that he got it done. He exec produced it. Um, it is a Peacock original. So he uh, obviously is is uh, in high cotton these days. Matter of fact, you couldn't even watch an NFL game, playoff game the other day. You didn't download Peacock. That's how big Peacock is. They dictate who, what NFL games, playoff games you get to watch. <laughs> that same Peacock is the network that is now going to be uh, premiering and broadcasting the film Bosco. Before we hear from Quante uh, Bosco Adams, here now the trailer for the film, the uh, Peacock original film Bosco. my jail son you're in here because they say you gotta pay i'm in here to make sure you do congratulations adams you father nobody told you you're gonna spend the rest of your life in here you ain't never gonna see that truth is i never thought about being a father he's a little mama's boy you know you don't have to be like him right Look, I just want to be there for my kid. If freedom's a state of mind, I guess my dream should be enough. Just think about how much better your kid's gonna be without you around. Bosco, you gonna grow up. I ain't content with dreaming. Humans are the greatest weakness in any security system. Prisons aren't inescapable. They're just meant to feel that way. Running the streets as we adapt to crime. Trap my body if they trap my mind. Need your help. I know the game, bro. Down 23. It get deep. When you sleep, even the blind man can see. You think reading's gonna save your ass? No, I do not, sir. I'm strategy. Have at it. I'm so close to not only freedom, but also to being a real father. I would like to help you. I don't know that more than anything in the world. I'm thinking about a master plan. I gotta make it back to the fan. I'm thinking about a master plan. I gotta make it back to the fan. I'm thinking about a master plan. I gotta make You can only protect yourself by your choices. I'm thinking about a master plan. I gotta make it back to the fan. Quante Bosco Adams um, was sentenced to 35 years in federal prison for attempting, underline that word, underscore that word, attempting to possess marijuana. And then he went on to pull off one of the most ingenious prison breaks of modern times. Years after his capture, he escaped once again by teaching himself the law, firing his attorney, representing himself in federal court and ultimately winning his freedom. It is quite the story. I am pleased that this film got made. I am further pleased that it's going to be seen on February the 2nd. Premieres on the 2nd of February on the Peacock Network as a Peacock original. Uh, Bosco, you did it, man. Let me just start by saying congratulations. <laughs> Thank you, bro. Uh, you want to, uh, Just tell me, we'll get to your story in a second, but tell you about the journey of getting this project done. What was that like? Was, was, was that easier or harder than breaking out of prison? Uh, <laughs> uh, it was probably similar. Okay. It, you know, getting a... 
to complete a project like this, to mm-hmm. pull it together, and then have it uh, distributed on a major platform, is, mm-hmm. especially for a young black man, that's that's a, uh, a big, tall task mm-hmm. to pull off there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was a lot of drama, a lot of hardship, a lot of obstacles, but same as breaking out of prison, it, it happened. <laughs> <laughs> It happened that yeah. that it that it did. Tell me about Peacock um, and how that particular deal came to be. I'm I'm a businessman, as you know, uh, and I love the backstory. So you got all these platforms out there. Uh, just give me to the extent you can. I'm not saying you know uh, tell your business, but how did you end up at Peacock? And, and they seem to be really embracing the project. Yeah, yeah. So we got a, a sales company tied to the film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sales company actually came on board before we started filming. Mm-hmm. Just the story and uh, the cast that we were able to put together, the sales company was very excited about that, came on board, mm-hmm. and uh, took on a bunch of meetings once we completed the project, once we actually finished filming and post-production, started shopping around, and Peacock was one of the – uh, companies that offered us the best deal. Yep. So um, I, I want to underscore this. You put your money into this, you produced this project, and you did it without having a distributor. Initially. Correct. Yeah. Correct. That, all, that, that's all, a that's a leap of faith. Yeah. All independently. Yeah. yeah. I was running around town begging, panhandling. Yeah. <laughs> Give me ten dollars on this movie. Whatever you can put in. You know. <laughs> all right. That's how the project got made. Now you have to hear the backstory. His name is Quante. Bosco Adams, and you're going to hear his story when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. This is getting good. Tavis Smiley continues when we come forward. Let's get back to more of Tavis Smiley right now. More of Tavis Smiley and Quante Bosco Adams, uh, who has quite the amazing story. Okay, Um, let me start with this. Um, You grew up where? Compton, South yeah. Los Angeles, all okay. the Los Angeles area. All right. Um, tell me about your childhood. Uh, we'll, we'll get to the story of how you um, ended up getting arrested for attempting to, to possess marijuana. But tell me, just give me a sense of your childhood and what that was like. Childhood was that typical South Los Angeles childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, it was during the 80s and early 90s uh, when crack pretty much predominated our communities. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were strung out. Uh, gangs were on the rise. You know, a lot of gang-related uh violence happening in uh i grew up in that culture uncles father everybody involved so i pretty much grew up in that lifestyle started getting in trouble at a young age started going to juvenile hall at age of 13 mm-hmm. uh and got caught up in the system yeah what what, what what's what's your assessment now uh, jumping ahead and we'll come back all these years later what's your assessment about the ways in which so many young people around this country um, end up being pulled in, being sucked in. They end up, how about I put it, they end up surrendering their life's chances before they know what their life's choices really are. Does that make sense? Yeah. You just get pulled in at such a young age like you did. Yeah, I think there's an allure to it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't know where to point the finger, but Mm -hmm. it seemed like that there's a system and a culture that actually shapes young minds in our community to make gangs and drugs and that lifestyle alluring. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes you see it in rap videos Mm -hmm. and the music, uh, different shows you see on TV and different things. Because when you're growing up, I think one thing that for me is 
what I realized later on is that I was searching for an identity mm. and I wanted to be a part of something. Mm-hmm. And I think every young man wants to be a part of some type of organization. And you can't be a part of just any organization other than a gang. A gang is pretty much the only organization where there aren't stringent requirements. Mm-hmm. If you want to be on a football squad, you got to work out, you got to go to practice, <laughs> you got to play good, you got to mm-hmm. do all that, you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? But if you, you want to be in the game, you, all you need to do is just be a zip-ass fool <laughs> and you can be a part of it. But some somehow that, that culture has been glorified and black people, young black men have been caught up in that trap to where we're, we're repeating that same cycle mm-hmm. and uh, getting caught up in the system of self-destruction. And I think a lot of it has been promoted to mm-hmm. our communities. Yeah. I'm going to ask two questions, and they may be the same question, so I'll put both out there and you you, you weave it the way you, you will. You talk about how, how alluring this lifestyle is for young men. What was the allure for you? You said earlier you were sort of born and raised into this. Your whole family was a part of it, essentially. What was the allure for you? And tell me more about this search for your own identity, because that, that struck me when you said I was searching for my own identity. Yeah, so, like, my father was absent most of my life Mm -hmm. as a young kid. And I grew up in a house with all women. Uh, So I was trying to find out who I am supposed to be in this world. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have that positive, strong role model to help me find that. And so the only way I could find that and identify that was by looking outside, looking at my uncles, looking at my cousins who were all involved in this lifestyle. And so for me, I started thinking and believing, well, is that who I'm supposed to be? Mm. You know, and a lot of it, I believe, goes back to the traumas of slavery. Like we were stripped of our identity of who we were supposed to be. Mm -hmm. And so coming out of that, we're trying to find out what is our role here in America? Mm. Who are we supposed to be as young black men in America? Mm. And then came Superfly. Mm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And they made Superfly, you know, the most... uh, uh, Promising a successful black man in the world. So yeah. now we wanted to be like him. Mm-hmm. And the same thing with the gang culture. We, we started trying to, in searching for that identi- identity, we started looking for it in the wrong places. And we were given this certain imagery of black people that really don't define who we are. Yeah. And I was allured to trying to find my identity. And the only thing that I saw was what was happening in the ghetto. Mm -hmm. I didn't see anything else. So at a young age, I started believing, okay, this is who I'm supposed to be. This is is my destiny. Yeah, this is my destiny. I'm supposed to, the greatest thing that I could be is a drug dealer in the hood. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I didn't see anything beyond that. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I got arrested and I was in solitary confinement as a juvenile and I started reading books and learning that there was more to black people than slavery and ghettos. Mm. In a book. In a book. Yeah. Whew, this is getting rich already. All right, let me just catch my breath here. Um, that's 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 a that's a damning indictment on our culture. Um, it is um, 
Well, I'll leave that alone for now. I could go on and I could get off tangent talking about what that means. Yeah. That you had so little options until you were in prison, in solitary confinement. Then you start reading. Then you realize there's a whole world out there of all kinds of bad black people who've done all kind of, kinds of amazing things. You just couldn't see that in the space that you were in yeah. at that present moment. I, I get it, but I'll, I'll digress on that for the, for the moment. So let me let me just let me just ask you. You said you were you just didn't come to you until you were already arrested and in solitary confinement. Let's back up right quick. Watching my clock here, want to manage this story. And there's a whole movie. They can see the whole thing. But I want to just yeah. I want to just tap into a few pieces of this. So so tell me about the moment where this thing goes down, where you find yourself uh, in harm's way and ultimately arrested for attempting key phrase T word attempting to possess marijuana. Tell me the story, Bosco. I started selling marijuana uh, in St. Louis, was picking up a load of marijuana. The people who were delivering it turned out to be undercover federal agents. So St. Louis, Missouri was allegedly in L.A. in Compton to pick up a shipment. Well, no, I traveled. You traveled to, too? Yeah. Okay. Oh, you traveled to St. Louis? Yeah. yeah okay, go ahead. Go ahead I go ahead. traveled okay. traveled to, to St. Louis. Got it. Uh, and was there to pick up a load of marijuana and mm-hmm. distribute it in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And the people actually delivering the marijuana turned out to be undercover federal agents. Mm-hmm. And so I was arrested before I could get the marijuana when mm-hmm. I showed up on the spot and got the key to the van. Mm-hmm. I was arrested. And uh, when I got arrested, found out that I had a child on the way. Mm. Three weeks earlier, my girlfriend got pregnant. And so there I was in prison facing life, life without parole, and my child was about to enter the world. Tell me why I keep using this word attempted possession. Because I never had it. Mm-hmm. I never had control over it. Possession is to have com- complete control over an item. I never had it. Why? Why? Why do you looking back on it? Do you know why? Why do you think that you were arrested before you actually took possession? Was that a mistake on their part? Nah, that's just how the federal system is right. with the war on drugs. The range is so broad. Mm-hmm. You know, just anybody associated in any type of way, even conspiracy, just talking about the idea of picking up some drugs and distributing it mm-hmm. is a conspiracy charge. Mm-hmm. So if two people get together. And they have the idea and the plan to actually be involved in any type of drug dealing, then that's conspiracy. Mm. You take any step forward, whether it's counting some money or putting money in a bag, then you go before a jury. The prosecutor is going to say, well, yep, they were planning to buy drugs or they was planning to sell drugs. And here's the evidence. They started counting money. So these two conspired to possess and distribute mm. Whatever controlled substance, like like something couldn't have happened, or you couldn't have changed your mind. They 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 just yeah, not conspiracy is once you have that agreement. Got it. Conspiracy is just an agreement between two people to break the law, Mm -hmm. (laughs) whether you actually go through with it or not. (laughs) (laughs) You still getting the same amount of time, and that's how the federal system works when it comes to drugs. And ironically, drugs is the only. conspiracy where you don't have to have a full out overt act meaning you don't have to actually go out and do something right you can just have the intent or 
do anything that can be inferred as you about to attempt to complete the actual uh, act. Let me ask you a question. You see already in my eyes where I'm going with this. Yeah. Why do you think the law is written that particular way? Well, I think it start, it was written that way, and it, and it came about during the war on drugs, particularly in the eighties when crack was out. Ding, and, ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding. Here's your answer. They they wrote the law that way to give themselves more leeway yeah. to catch these negroes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was, and that's when the, the prison population started overflowing with blacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna stress this language. Yeah, <laughs> and make it so broad and so flexible. And so lenient that anywhere in this vicinity, <laughs> yeah, uh, we can get you, yeah, and lock you up. Um, how how did you process? Uh, obviously, you knew pretty quickly. I was gonna say, when did you know? Well, you know when they pulled their guns out. But how did you process that you were caught up in a sting operation when you realized, oh my God, these guys are undercover federal agents? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> how did you process that in that moment? Uh, in the moment, I just it just hit me like I just knew it. I you know you have that intuition like something's not right right and then sometimes the greed forces you to just keep going along with it mm-hmm. you get those signs and the hints that something's not right here yeah. and instead of pulling out you just like what well, shit it's much money on the line mm-hmm. you know and you just keep going forward with it but once it happened once before they pulled the guns out and i started seeing behavior that's when i knew like yeah. something's not right here yeah. and before i can make a run or anything uh agents swarm from everywhere yeah um i think i heard you correctly prior to that moment were you having feelings and visions and and just you know thoughts that you know i need to get out of this yeah 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 but you just kept going to your point the greed just keeps you going the greed but you, yeah. you even before that incident you were having these feelings that i need i need to get out of this game man yeah, of course. Like, yeah, yeah. even before that, I was telling myself, you know, I need to get enough money and yeah. then start doing something differently. Yeah. 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 Um, I suspect, I suspect I haven't done any independent research on this, but I've talked to a number of people over the course of my career. And I suspect that every person who eventually gets caught will admit to you that there were many, many moments when they knew they needed to get out of the game, but they couldn't pull themselves out. Yeah, you're going to get so many signs. Yeah. So many signs are going to come to you. And I think all of it is really just, you know, the universe trying to direct you where you're supposed to be going. Sometimes we don't listen to those signs. And it takes that big sign of incarceration to actually sit us down and kind of give us more direction. And everything turns out to happen the way that it's supposed to happen. I think it's just a matter of us uh, finding a purpose and everything that happens to us. You were what age when this thing went down in St. Louis? I was 28. 28, okay. Um, all right, so what happens next? So they, they, they pull out the guns, you realize you're busted, and what happens? I'm placed in the back of the car, and mm-hmm. I'm taken to, taken to jail. And once I get there, a couple of days later, I go for arraignment in front of a, front of a magistrate. Mm-hmm. Well, not arraignment, but a hearing in front of a magistrate, federal magistrate, and serve some documents, a complaint, and saying that I'm facing life without parole. Mm. In federal prison, <laughs> yeah. Um, you obviously end up in federal prison. Just, yeah. just watching my time trying to advance this story. You end up in federal prison. You end up in federal prison where? Uh, I was shipped all over right. from Colorado, Victorville, uh, USP Marion, uh, 
USP, Beaumont, all why, of the why, maximum why? security prisons. But before then, I was, I was because I tried to escape. Yeah. But I was placed in detention first before I got actually convicted and sentenced. I was placed in a detention center, and when I was placed in there, I, I tried to escape. Mm-hmm. And, and I was caught. Then I was placed in solitary confinement. Right. So escape was already in your blood already. Yeah, one yeah. well, once I found out I had a child on the way, yeah, because I started thinking I didn't want to repeat the same cycle that my father repeated, yeah. And the only way for me to get out of this was by escaping from prison to get to your baby, to get to my child, yeah. yeah. And so I tried to escape and got caught, yeah. Um, so help me understand why 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 were they moving you around so much to all these different places? Well, in federal system, that's how it is. Yeah. Especially once I became known as an escape risk. Yeah. They would move me around a lot to make to, sure to, to I, throw you off. Exactly. I got you. I got you. Um, all right. Um, we get, this, this is getting good. Um, so you're being moved around, uh, and I'll I'll set this up. and We'll continue when we come forward. So you're moving around from place to place, but the place from which you eventually successfully escape, which we'll get to that story in a moment, is where. It was in Alton, Illinois. It was a, a secure facility where I was locked in a cell 24 hours a day, and they had a camera inside the cell to make sure that I wouldn't try to escape again. Now, if that ain't a setup, I don't know what he is. He did, Bosco did that thing. He's in, <laughs> he's in Illinois. He's in a cell, solitary confinement. There's a camera on the cell 24 hours a day, seven days a week, to make sure that he does not do anything. And yet, with a camera staring at him 24 hours a day, Seven days a week in a very small, solitary confinement cell, this Negro broke out. How <laughs> did he do that? We'll talk about that when we come forward. You're listening to Quante Bosco Adams. Uh, he is the, 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 the true story is, is of his life. Uh, the film is called Bosco. Uh, it is a Peacock original, premiering on Peacock on February the 2nd. But the rest of the story when we come forward on Tavis Smiley. More of Tavis Smiley when we come forward. He's rooting for everybody black. Everybody black. black. More of Tavis Smiley coming your way right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. The Peacock original film Bosco premieres on Peacock on February the 2nd, just in time for Black History Month. It is quite the story of one uh, Quante Bosco Adams. Uh, you've been listening to his life growing up in uh, South L.A. and in Compton, what he uh, was up against and trying to find his own identity and his place in the world and all the uh, various uh, routes and uh, uh, journeys that he took uh, trying to discover who he truly is. He's figured that out these days. We'll talk about that before we let you go. Uh, thankfully, he's figured all that out now, but what what a journey uh, it was getting uh, to him being the man that he is today. And by the way, I've, I've met that baby uh, that uh, when I last saw you, she was with you. Yeah. So I, I've, I've met the baby that he was trying to escape to get to. Uh, and she's doing well, uh, but it's uh, again just a, just an amazing story of uh, of this uh, desire to not be locked down, uh, to get to his child, uh, and to not make the same mistakes his father had made. So you are now after being moved around from place to place to place. They know that you are. Uh, uh, I won't say an escape artist, <laughs> but uh, a wannabe escape artist because you tried to escape already to get to your baby. So they move you around to keep throwing you off your square. 
So you don't get too comfortable in your surroundings and settings where you can try to escape a game. Um, so they're playing offense. Uh, but you start playing a little defense. And uh, while you're in solitary confinement, you start doing some work. Tell me about the work that you did to mastermind this escape. <laughs> just, uh, you know, what I would do is I would I would just observe everything. Mm-hmm. I would listen to the guards' footsteps. I would listen to noise that I would hear from a far distance. But originally when I was placed in the cell, I thought I was trapped. Mm. I didn't think that I would ever be able to get out. I thought that. It but, was, but you were thinking about it, though. Oh, I was thinking about it. <laughs> I was definitely thinking. <laughs> I was definitely thinking about it. What, what, what's like, I want the audience, they, they will see this in the film. By the way, we'll get, we'll get to talk about the cast a little bit later. It's an amazing cast. Tyrese Gibson's in the cast. Vivica Fox in the cast. We'll talk about that a little bit later. A great soundtrack. Snoop and everybody's on the soundtrack. It's an amazing soundtrack. You're going to love this film on Peacock February 2nd. But we'll get to that a little bit later. But give me a sense of the cell you're in. How, what size are we talking about here? What size is this room? The cell is probably six feet by eight feet so six, six by eight, eight. Yeah. there's a camera on you all the time yeah what's in the cell a bed toilet what's like what's in the cell yeah a metal bunk and uh a toilet in the sink and there's no wall anywhere it's just a this just just room yeah just so you can just you, there's nothing room. to hide there's nothing to hide behind no nothing okay. to hide behind okay and the camera in the corner okay over the toilet okay tell me more was, uh, that was able to pick up just about the entire room okay but what I noticed is that right behind the camera, you had maybe a little small blind spot behind the camera. And so I decided, I ain't going to tell them. They got to watch the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but there was a little blind spot behind that toilet. Yep. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. that, gives us a, that gives us a sense of the space that you were working in. Yeah. Let me, let me just, uh, they will see the film. Uh, let me ask you this, though. You have seen, I'm sure, I've seen it more times than I can count. One of my favorite films, I love it, Shawshank Redemption. Favorite, love it. You, you love yeah. it, too. All yeah. right, so t- two questions. Tell me, first of all, why you love Shawshank, Shawshank Redemption. I love it because it was pretty strategic on mm-hmm. how he was putting together the escape. Andy Dufresne. Yeah, Andy yeah. Dufresne. Yeah. I love how he was able to just strategize, and, and, and he was playing a game of chess. Mm-hmm. And that's what I like. Chess is one of my favorite games. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't I don't think I would have ever pulled off an escape where I just uh, knock out a guard and take off running. There was something about pulling off an ingenious escape that required me to think. It's a caper. It's a caper. Yeah, it's a yeah. caper. Yeah. Pull off the caper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, that, and that's one of the things I like most about Shawshank, and of course, Morgan Freeman, mm-hmm. him narrating it. Yeah. I think he actually made the film with his narration. Yeah. yeah. Are there parallels between, any parallels at all? Because Andy Dufresne was in solitary at one point, as you know. Um, but are there are there any, I'm just curious, I'm, just, I'm trying to give people a sense of what they're going to see when they see your film. Are there any parallels at all between what we see in say Shawshank Redemption or one of my also favorites Escape from Alcatraz Clint Eastwood I love that film are there any parallels to to any of these movies that we've seen before about these great prison escapes yeah it's definitely there's a little bit but I sure hate to compare myself to Shawshank that's like a really big film but this film is really big and it's, it's definitely a good film and I think what makes this film so special is because it's a young black man yeah. and, and and who's trying to get home to his daughter and pulls off an ingenious prison break yeah. going head to head with the uh, actual superintendent of the jail who was who was very zealously trying to make sure that 
I didn't escape. Mm-hmm. And so he was doing his thing to make sure that I stayed in there and I was doing my thing to make sure I got out of there. Mm-hmm. So you're going to see this. this tension. Yeah, there's yeah. tension throughout the entire film between the guy playing me and the guy playing the, uh, the actual warden yeah. of the jail. How, how, how long were you in this particular facility? I'm, I'm trying to get a sense of how long you were studying uh, again, we don't want to get they, they they know what happens in the end, of course, uh, and they'll they'll see how you exact how exactly you did it in the actual project when they see it on February second, again premiering on Peacock uh, Network. But I'm just trying to get a sense of how long you were in this facility, how long you were studying. You talked earlier about all the things you were doing, all the observations you were making to plan and plot this caper out. How long were you plotting this? I was close to a year. I would say about nine months okay. in that particular cell. Yeah. In the Shawshank Redemption film, as I recall, um, there were a couple false starts for Andy Dufresne. Yeah. Were there any false starts for you before you actually pulled it off? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there were a bunch of false starts at the previous jails. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm asking, asking, at this particular, (laughs) that's funny, at this particular jail, my sense is if there had been a a bunch of false starts and they had seen you trying this, you would never have pulled it off. They would have locked you down, even worse. I would have never been able to, well, I ain't going to say never because I've been pulling off some amazing (laughs) stuff. (laughs) <laughs> you, 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 you always you always bet on Bosco, huh? Yeah. Bet, bet on black, bet on Bosco. Yeah. He ain't gonna say. He said, "I ain't gonna say I would never pull it off." But 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 there weren't no false starts Not, in I could, this place. Yes, I okay. couldn't afford to have any false starts because I've made too many. Right. And, you know, I thought it was over then, and one more mistake, and who knows? They probably would have tied my ass up. And mm. actually, to get after I actually did escape, the next time they locked me up they put me inside of a cell right in the sheriff's station where the sheriff's uh booking area and their desk was right there so they could just all stood around watching me 24 hours a day so so when they when they did catch you again and locked you down you were like an animal in a zoo yeah you remember uh what was the movie andy griffith absolutely and you remember the drunk guy used to be in the cell all the time i watched and, it, i watched it two <laughs> nights ago yeah so imagine being in that cell <laughs> but you got 20 sheriff deputies sitting right out there with their eyes on you 24 hours a day yeah they make sure while you, you sleep the, yeah yeah houdini couldn't have got out of that <laughs> david copperfield couldn't have got I out mean, of that I, I was working on something <laughs> you know <laughs> Uh, such is the spirit of freedom that exists in black folk. We all want to be free. He want, yeah. he, he want to get to his baby. Um, our guest is, is Quante Bosco Adams. More with him when we come forward. You're listening to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley. Ranked number 45 on the heavy hundred list of the 100 most important radio talk show hosts in America. More honesty than you can handle. More empowerment than you can imagine. You're tuned in to Tavis Smiley. Tavis Smiley and Quante Bosco Adams, uh, who is the subject of the new film called Bosco, premiering February the 2nd on uh, Peacock. It's a Peacock original. That's on the 2nd. Um, but this uh, this uh, this uh, this spring, uh, maybe around April, I haven't seen the exact date yet. Maybe Bosco knows. But I know this spring, Morgan Freeman, who you mentioned earlier, the aforementioned Morgan Freeman, who uh, was not just a star in the Shawshank Redemption, but as you know, was uh, the narrator on that film. That same Morgan Freeman, through his production company, has produced a project called The Great Escape. It will be on the History Channel. Morgan Freeman goes inside a jail cell and through reenactments tells the story of how Bosco escaped 
from this federal prison in Illinois. So there's the film on February the 2nd uh, on the Peacock uh, Network um, called Bosco. And then Morgan Freeman's project is called The Great Escape on the History Channel. He goes inside a cell and recounts, re, uh, just uh, uh, through reenactments, tells the story of how Bosco actually pulled this off. And it was, in fact, quite ingenious. Um, let's, talk about, let's talk about the cast right quick. Um, you, got a, you got a pretty amazing cast. I know Tyrese is in it. Yep. Vivica Fox is in it. Who plays you? Aubrey Joseph. Aubrey Joseph. Yeah, from Cloak and Dagger. Uh-huh. The next Denzel. Yeah, the next Denzel. I'm telling you, there the you next go. Denzel. There you go. Yeah. And the soundtrack is fire. Yeah. Snoop. French Montana. The Game. DDG. Davies. And a host of others. Yeah. Some, even got some Afro beats on there. I went to Nigeria and got some raw Afro beats, some fire songs. Wow. Yeah. Um, so the soundtrack is fire, um, uh, an amazing cast. Uh, most importantly, the cast has something to work with, uh, in the story, uh, that is being told when you, when you finally got a chance to see, um, the final cut, um, you produced this thing, but when you saw the final cut, what did you, what did you make of what you have been able to pull off? It's ironic. I don't get too excited. Mm -hmm. And when you live in that stuff every day yeah. and you finally get to that end point, it's a sense of relief, mm -hmm. a sense of fulfillment, but I don't think you have that sense of excitement like the other people who've never seen it. Mm -hmm. And you find so many things to criticize because you always <laughs> think, I could have done something yeah. better. You find yourself messing with that thing for years if mm -hmm. you don't just stop. Yeah. But it turned out to be a great story. Uh, the, the acting is superb, and in the end, is everybody's crying at the end. It's, yeah. I could, I could I could have started our conversation here. Let me ask you right quick, watching my clock here. Um, why it is, after having, to your point, lived this story, um, why did you even want to, to tell the story? Why did you want to do the film? What's the, what's the end game here? I, after spending so much time in prison and going through all this, I had to give it meaning. I mm -hmm. could have just looked at, okay, all the time I've been in prison and what I've been through is just a waste of life and it's just trauma. Or I can take that and make something great of it and use this as an avenue, a vehicle, and a platform to inspire and show other people, particularly young black men from my community, that no matter what we go through, there's always a point where we can turn and go in a better direction. Mm. And so I want it to be a source of inspiration to my community and be that person that they can look at and be like, if Bosco did it, then there's a possibility and a good chance that I can pull it off too. And it's all about the mindset that we have. He is Quante Bosco Adams. Our many moments with him when we come forward on Tavis Smiling. Seeking the truth. Speaking the truth. This is the Tavis Smiley Show. Helping to Helping make, to you, make you the most knowledgeable person in your circle of friends. This is Tavis Smiley. Um, I told you earlier um, in preparing you for this conversation with Bosco uh, a bit more of the story than, than we have time to get into or frankly want to get into. I want you to see the film. Uh, but obviously he's sitting in this studio today with me live, which means that he's not here because he escaped again, because there'd be cops, <laughs> there'd be cops all over this building. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't let him in anyway. I don't, I don't want to get banged <laughs> up because they're chasing Bosco. Uh, he's in here because uh, when he escaped and got caught, you heard him say earlier, they put him in a cell like Andy Griffith where everybody could, the sheriffs could sit around and watch him. So he wasn't going to where again. But he uh, learned the law, uh, fired his legal team, 
represented himself in federal court. This ain't traffic. This ain't tra- traffic court. <laughs> this ain't small claims court. He represented himself, fired his lawyers, and defended himself in federal court and made a case so strong that he got out permanently. And that is how Bosco uh, is sitting in this studio today. That's the rest of the story you have to see in the film um, when you uh, when it premieres again February 2nd on Peacock, a Peacock original that you will really want to see. And once again, um, uh, The Great Escape uh, is on the History Channel uh, this spring. Uh, and Morgan Freeman narrates that, takes you inside the cell to tell you how Bosco pulled off one of these uh, great escapes, this this great caper. I've got two and a half minutes left here. Um, you were, you wanted to get out, you said more than once, because you, you found out you know early on you were going to be a father, and you didn't want to make the same mistake your father had made, so you wanted to get out to get to your baby. That baby is how old now? 19. And how is she doing? She's doing good. She's doing good. Yeah. Uh, you guys, you guys got a good relationship? School. Yeah, great relationship. I actually got out, got full custody of her at the age of 15. Right. So we bonded. Yeah, yeah. Um, and has she seen the film? She's seen it. She's seen, she was seeing p- beats, bits and pieces of it when we were still in production. Yeah. Uh, she hasn't looked at the final, final version oh, yet. Oh, okay. So I, can't, so I can't ask my question because I wanted to ask, what did she make of the final? Yeah, she, yeah. It, to be honest with you, she's like, I'm just an average person to her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> <laughs> she don't even buy into none of that stuff. Like, <laughs> I'm just dad. Yeah, <laughs> but, but but one thing, what I'm, I'm laughing because you you're just dad to her, um, and uh, every parent listening right now will appreciate this. Uh, your your kids will try you. Uh, they will try you. Uh, I, I'm I'm guilty of that. Having been a child, every child at some point tries their parents. In her case, she has to know her father is pretty bright. If yeah. a Negro can break out of a federal, pen- a federal <laughs> prison, <laughs> you might not want to pull nothing over his eyes. Yeah. Uh, so she knows her daddy ain't no joke in that regard. Uh, not many of us can say we have parents who escaped the federal prison uh, and uh, and became their own lawyer uh, and, and went to federal court and, and found a loophole in the law and got themselves out. Uh, and made a movie And about made a movie about it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I love it. I love it. His name is Quante Bosco Adams. Again, the film is called Bosco. Premieres February the 2nd on Peacock. And uh, this spring, uh, The Great Escape uh, on the History Channel with Morgan Freeman as producer and narrator. You can't do much better than Morgan Freeman narrating something. The voice of God. Yeah, yeah, that, that he is. Uh, Morgan Freeman narrates that on the History Channel this spring. Bosco, um, thank you uh, for coming to see us. This is your first interview since the project's been completed. Yep. Uh, you're going to do a whole bunch of interviews everywhere. You'll see Bosco everywhere promoting this film on Peacock, but he came here first, and I am humbled by that. I will see you again in the next few days and see you at the premiere, my friend. Yeah, for sure. Congratulations, Bosco.